Congo River, formerly also known as the Zaire River, is the second longest river in Africa, shorter only than the Nile, as well as the second largest river in the world by a discharge volume, following only the Amazon. It is also the world's deepest recorded river, with measured depths in excess of 220 meters, which is about 720 feet. The current course of the Congo River was formed between 1.5 and 2 million years before the present time. The Congo Yulaba Shambashi River system has an overall length of about 4,700 kilometers, which makes it the world's ninth longest river. The Chambeshi is a tributary of the Lulaba River, and Lulaba is the name of the Congo River upstream from Boyoma Falls. The Congo Basin has a total area of about 4 million squared kilometers. That's about 1.5 million square miles. That is about 13 to 15% of the entire African landmass. The basin is the largest forest in Africa. I am told by reliable sources that close to 10,000 odd plant species can be found in and around that forest. The humid forests cover 1.6 million kilometers squared at a global level. Congo's forests act as the planet's second lung, the first one being that of the Amazon. A quick look at the map of the region will tell you the vast number of waterways, greenery, other natural landmarks that are naturally just there and are awe-inspiring. The name Congo can be spelt with a C or a K. The name originates from the Kingdom of Congo that was once located on the southern bank of the river. The ancient history of the Congo people has been difficult to ascertain. The region is close to East Africa, which is considered to be a key to prehistoric human migrations. This geographical proximity suggests that the Congo River region, home of the Congo people, was populated thousands of years ago. Ancient archaeological evidence linked to Congo people, however, has not been found. What we are able to trace is the history of the language. The Congo people had settled into the area well before the 5th century CE, beginning a society that utilized the diverse and rich resources of the region, and they developed farming methods. Small kingdoms and Congo principalities appeared in the current region by the 1200 CE period. But documented history of this era of the Congo people, if it existed, has yet to be found. Detailed and copious description about the Congo people who lived next to the Atlantic ports of the region, as a sophisticated culture, language, etc., appeared only in the 15th century, and that was written by Portuguese explorers. The Congo people are a Bantu ethnic group, primarily defined as the speakers of the Kik Ongo, i.e., the Congo, languages. The Bantu languages are a large family of languages spoken by the Bantu people in the southern half of Africa. They form the largest branch of the southern Bantoid languages. 
The total number of Bantu languages range in the hundreds depending on the definition of language versus dialect and is estimated at between 440 to about 680 distinct languages. Bantu people consist of several hundred indigenous ethnic groups in Africa and are spread over a vast area from Central Africa across the African Great Lakes down to Southern Africa. The Congo peoples are presently, i.e. currently, in 2021, divided into four countries in Southern Africa. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Republic of Congo, Angola, and Gabon. The Bantu expansion was a major series of migrations of the original proto-Bantu-speaking groups, which spread from an original nucleus around west-central Africa across much of sub-Saharan Africa. In the process, the proto-Bantu-speaking settlers displaced or absorbed the pre-existing hunter-gatherer and agricultural groups that they encountered. The primary evidence for this expansion is linguistic. A great many of the languages which are spoken across sub-equatorial Africa are remarkably similar to one another, suggesting the common cultural origin of their original speakers. The linguistic core of the Bantu languages, which comprises a branch of the Niger-Congo family, was located in nearby regions of Cameroon and Nigeria. However, Attempts to trace the exact root of the expansion or to correlate it with archaeological evidence and genetic evidence have been inconclusive. Henceforth, although the expansion is widely accepted as having taken place, many aspects of it remain contested. It is understood that the expansion having taken place at least in two waves. One, between about 3,000 and 2,000 years ago, and the other between 1,000 BC and 1 AD. Linguistic analysis suggests that the expansion proceeded in two directions. The first went across or along the northern border of the Congo forest region towards East Africa, and the second, and possibly others, went south along the African coast into Gabon, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Angola, or even inland across the many south-to-north flowing rivers of the Congo River system. The expansion reached South Africa probably as early as 300 AD. In the 15th century, a society began to develop in the Umbepa Depression along the banks of the Luluba River in Kandaga. This culture, known as the Umbepa, would eventually evolve into the more significant Luba Empire as well as the Kingdom of Lunda. The Kingdom of Luba or Luba Empire started around 1585 and went on till 1889. This was the pre-colonial Central African state that arose in the marshy grasslands of the Umbepa Depression in what is now Southern Democratic Republic of Congo. The Kingdom of Luba's success was due in large part to its development of a form of a government that was durable enough to withstand the disruptions of successive disputes and flexible enough to incorporate foreign leaders and governments. 
the Luba model of governing was so successful that it was adopted by the Lubda kingdom and spread throughout the region that is today northern Angola, northwest Zambia, and southern Democratic Republic of Congo. The aforementioned nation of Lunda started around 1665 AD and concluded around the 1880s. And this was a confederation of states in what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo, northeastern Angola, and northwestern Zambia. Its central state was Katanga. The Kingdom of Congo was a kingdom located in Central Africa in present-day northern Angola. The western portion of the Democratic Republic of Congo, the Republic of the Congo, as well as the southernmost part of Gabon. At its greatest extent, it reached from the Atlantic Ocean in the west to the Kawango River in the east, and from the Congo River in the north to the Kwanzaa River in the south. The kingdom consisted of several core provinces ruled by the Mikango. According to Congo tradition, the kingdom's origin lay in Babapa Kasi, a large Bantu kingdom to the south of the Da kingdom, which merged with the state to form the Kingdom of Congo around 1375 AD. The origin of the name Congo itself is still murky, and several theories have been proposed. According to colonial era scholar Samuel Nelson, the term Congo is possibly derived from a local verb for gathering or assembly. According to Alicia Lagama, the root may be from the regional word Congo, which means hunter, in the context of someone adventurous or heroic. A chant named Douglas Harper states that the term means mountains in a Bantu language, which the Congo River flows down from. The group is identified largely, that group being the Congolese people, by speaking a cluster of mutually intelligible dialects rather than by large continuities in their history or even in their culture. The term Congo was more widely deployed to identify Congo-speaking people enslaved in the Americas. The Congo religion is and was a broad set of traditional beliefs from the Kikongo-speaking peoples. The faith bases itself in the idea of a main creator god named Nambi Mubungu, who made the world and spirits who inhibit it. Priestly doctors, known as Naganga, tried to heal followers' minds and bodies. Meditation roles, like being Naganga, required legitimization from other world of spirits and ancestors. The universe is split between two worlds, one of the living and one world of the dead. These worlds are split by a body of water. Humans continually pass through these worlds in cycle. Before I talk any further, I want to just outline in modern sense in the 2021 era or close to where you're listening to this, what countries wholly or partially form the Congo region? Angola, Gabon, Burundi, Cameroon, the Central African Republic, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Republic of the Congo, Rwanda, Tanzania, and Zambia. 
that is an enormous area. And those lines that were created between these countries and the reason these countries exist is one simple reason. And that is European colonialism. In the history that is as long and as rich as Congo's, the European experiment was a short, sharp intervention. It came and it went. However, because it remains a recent rather than a distant memory, its side effects remain today. European colonization of the Congo Basin of tropical Africa was the last part of the continent to be colonized. By the end of the 19th century, the basin had been carved up by European colonial powers into Congo Free State, the French Congo, and the Portuguese Congo. Since the 15th century, European explorers had sailed into the broad Congo estuaries, planning to fight their way up to the falls and rapids that begin only a hundred miles inland and then travel upriver to its unknown source. All of that always failed. The rapids and the falls, had they known it, extended for 220 miles inland, and the terrain close by the river was impossible and to this day remains impossible. Repeated attempts to travel overland were repulsed with heavy casualties, accidents, conflicts with natives, and above all disease saw large and well-equipped expeditions getting no further than 40-odd miles or so past the westernmost rapid. The legendary Cauldron Falls or Inga Falls, where the Congo River drops, drops about 350 feet over the course of nine miles, the falls are part of a larger group of rapids in the lower Congo River. Early on, outside of the Cape of Good Hope and the Mediterranean coast, Europe had no African colonies of any significance. The focus of the great powers was still firmly on the lands that had made Europe's fortune, that being the Americas, the East Indies, India, China, and Australasia. There seemed no economic sense in investing energy into Africa when the returns from other colonies were likely to be richer and more immediate. Indeed, it was not until 1867 that the Congo was explored by Europeans, and even then it was not from the sea, but from the other side of the continent. Enter King Leopold II of Belgium. As a constitutional monarch, Leopold was charged with the usual constitutional duties of opening parliaments, greeting diplomats, and attending state funerals. He had no power to decide policy. But for over 20 years, he had been agitating for Belgium to take its place among the great colonial powers of Europe. Leopold noted, Our frontiers can never be extended into Europe. However, he added, since history teaches that colonies are useful, that they play a great part in that which makes up the power and prosperity of states, let us strive to get one in our turn. At various times, he launched unsuccessful schemes to buy an Argentine province. To buy Borneo from the Dutch, to rent the Philippines from Spain, or 
to establish colonies in China, Vietnam, Japan, or the Pacific Islands. When the 1860s explorers focused attention on Africa, Leopold schemed to colonize Mozambique on the east coast, Senegal on the west coast, and the Congo in the center. None of these schemes came anywhere near fruition. The government of Belgium resolutely resisted all Leopold's suggestions, seeing the acquisition of a colony as a good way to spend just a ton of money for little or no return. Leopold's eventual response was extraordinary to say the least, in its hubris and in its simplicity. If the government of Belgium would not take a colony, then he would simply do it by himself, acting in his private capacity as an ordinary citizen. In 1876, Leopold II sponsored an international geographical conference in Brussels, inviting delegates from scientific societies all over Europe to discuss philanthropic and scientific matters, such as the best way to coordinate map-making to prevent the re-emergence of the West Coast slave trade and to investigate ways of sending medical aid to Africa. That conference was pretty much a sham. At its end, Leopold proposed that they set up an international benevolent committee to carry on and modestly agreed to accept the chairman's role. He created a baffling series of subsidiary shell organizations resulting in the cunningly named International African Association, which had a single shareholder, Leopold himself. For the look of things, he held one more meeting the following year, but from that time on, the International African Association was simply a front for Leopold's ambitions. A chap named Sir Henry Morton Stanley had been an explorer in Southern Africa, including the Congo base. He had come back to Europe and had been ignored mostly by the British. Leopold recruited Stanley for his bidding. Leopold, it seemed, was the only European willing to finance Stanley's dream, that of building of a railway over the Crystal Mountains from the sea to Stanley Pool, from which the river streamers could reach about a thousand miles into the heart of Africa. Just by the way, Leopold II never set foot in the Congo itself. It was only apparently at this point that Stanley was informed of the magnitude of Leopold's ambition. Stanley was not merely to construct a series of trading stations. He was to secretly carve out an entire nation. The instructions were direct and to the point. Open quote. It is a question of creating a new state as big as possible and of running it. It is clearly understood that in this project there is no question of granting the slightest political power to the Negro that would be, of course, absurd. End quote. Keep me in mind that at this point the slave trade had been abolished by the British Empire. The Congo Free State, also known as the Independent State of the Congo, was privately owned by and in a personal union with Leopold II of Belgium. It was not part of Belgium, of which he was the constitutional monarch. Leopold was able to procure the region 
by convincing other European states at the Berlin Conference on Africa that he was involved in humanitarian and philanthropic work that would not tax trade. Via the International Association of the Congo, he was able to lay claim to most of the Congo Basin. On the 29th of May, 1885, after the closure of the Berlin Conference, the king announced that he planned to name his possessions the Congo Free State. The state included the entire area of the present Democratic Republic of the Congo and existed from 1885 to 1908 when the government of Belgium reluctantly annexed the state after international pressure. Leopold's personal reign in the Congo eventually earned infamy on account of the human rights perpetrations on the locals. Leopold's free state extracted ivory, rubber and minerals in the Upper Congo Basin for sale on the world market through a series of international concessionary companies. Even though its purpose in the region was to uplift the local people and develop the area, under Leopold's administration, the Congo Free State became one of the greatest international scandals of the early 20th century. In that period from 1885 to 1908, many well-documented acts of wickedness were perpetrated in the Congo Free State. These abominations were particularly associated with the labor policies used to collect natural rubber for export. Together with epidemic disease, famine, and a falling birth rate caused by these disruptions, the human rights abuses contributed to a sharp decline in the Congolese population. The magnitude of the population fall over the period is disputed, however, with some modern estimates going from about a low of 1 million to a high of 15 million deaths. The severing of workers' hands achieved particular international notoriety. These were sometimes cut off by forced public soldiers who were made to account for every shot they fired by bringing back the hands of their victims. These details were recorded by Christian missionaries working in the Congo and caused public outrage when they were made known in the United Kingdom, Belgium, and elsewhere. An international campaign against the Congo Free State began in 1890 and reached its peak after 1900 under the leadership of British activist E.D. Morell. In 1908, as I had mentioned before, because of international pressure, the government of Belgium annexed the Congo Free State to create the Belgian Congo from its own monarch. That ended many of the systems responsible for the abuses and brought into question whether any of those acts were, in a modern sense, considered genocide. In May 1960, a growing nationalist movement the Movement National Congola, MNC, led by Patrice Numaba, won the parliamentary elections. Patrice Numaba became the first Prime Minister of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, then known as the Republic of the Congo, on the 24th of June, 1960. The Belgian Congo achieved independence on the 30th of June, 1960, under the name Republique du Congo, i.e., Republic of Congo or Republic of the Congo. And if that sounds complex enough, just keep in mind 
that the French colony of the Congo, when it got its independence, was also named something similar. Now, I don't want to confuse you, so we'll just go with Belgian Congo for this time. On the 14th of September, a colonel, Colonel Joseph Wabuntu, with the backing of the US and Belgium, removed Lumaba from office. On the 17th of January, 1961, he was handed over to Kangang authorities and executed by Belgian-led troops. The new president had the staunch support of the United States because of his opposition to communism. The US believed that his administration would serve as an effective counter to communist movements that were spreading all across Africa. A single-party system was established and Bhutu declared himself the head of state. He periodically held elections in which he was the only candidate. Although relative peace and stability were achieved, Mobutu's government was guilty or accused of being guilty of severe human rights violations, political repression, a cult of personality, and the odd corruption. In a campaign to identify himself with African nationalism, Starting on the 1st of June, 1966, Mobutu renamed the nation's cities. In 1971, Mobutu renamed the country to the Republic of Zaire. Its fourth name change in 11 years and its sixth overall. The Congo River was named the Zaire River. Following the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, U.S. relations with Mobutu cooled, as he was no longer deemed necessary because the Cold War was over. Opponents within Zaire stepped up demands for reform. This atmosphere contributed to Mobutu's declaring the Third Republic in 1990, whose constitution was supposed to pave the way for democratic reform. The reforms turned out to be largely cosmetic. Mobutu continued in power until armed forces forced him to flee in 1997. By 1996, following the Rwandan civil war and genocide and the ascension of a Tutsi-led government in Rwanda, Rwandan Hutsu militia forces fled to eastern Zaire and used refugee camps as a base for incursions against Rwanda. They allied with the Zarean armed forces to launch a campaign against the Congolese ethnic Tutsis in eastern Zaire. A coalition of Ugandan and Rwandan armies invaded Zaire to overthrow the government of Mobutu and ultimately to control the mineral resources of Zaire, launching the First Congo War. The coalition allied with some opposition figures led by Laurent Kabila becoming an alliance of democratic forces for the liberation of Congo. In 1997, Mobutu fled and Kabila marched into Kanishka, named himself president and reverted the name of the country back from there to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. A formal request was made that foreign military forces return to their own countries. He had concerns that the Rwandan officers running his armies were plotting to give the presidency to a Tutsi who would report directly to the Rwandan president. Rwandan troops did pull back, but in the vacuum that they left, two rebel groups began to emerge. One led by a Congolese warlord, Jean-Pierre Bemba, and the other by the Tutsi movement. The two rebel movements, along with Rwandan and Ugandan troops, started the Second Congo War by attacking the Democratic Republic of the Congo Army in 1998. Angolan, Zimbabwean, and Namibian militaries entered the hostilities on the side of the government. Kabila was assassinated in 2001. His son, Joseph, succeeded him and called for multilateral peace talks. 
by the June of 2003, all foreign armies except those of Rwanda had pulled out of Congo. A transitional government was set up. A constitution was approved by voters, and on the 30th of July 2006, the Democratic Republic of the Congo held its first multi-party elections. However, an election dispute between Kaliba and Jean-Pierre Bemba turned into an all-out battle between their supporters on the streets of the capital. A new election took place in October 2006, which Kaliba won, and in December 2006, he was sworn in as the president. The Kivu conflict began in 2004 in the eastern Congo as an armed conflict between the military of the Democratic Republic of the Congo and the Hutu power group, the Democratic Forces of the Liberation of Rwanda, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It has broadly consisted of three phases. Third, of which is an ongoing conflict as I speak, as I narrate this in 2021. To me, this current conflict seems like something that has been ongoing since just before the Belgians showed up, or should I say, just before Leopold showed up. The present conflict has less to do with European powers like Belgium and more to do with neighboring countries wishing to get involved in a power vacuum in Congo. This basin, this land, and these peoples have a long and fascinating history. Next time you grab a map, look at the middle of southern Africa. You'll see the Congo basin with the DRC right in the middle. The Congo region is gigantic. But just the DRC alone, or the Democratic Republic of the Congo, is gigantic as well. This is no insignificant country. If you are to believe the hype that humans originated in what is today Southern Africa, then the Congo Basin is probably, or possibly, where it could all have started. With all that emerging biodiversity, it is not impossible. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Alternative History Podcast. Thank you so very much. <laughs>